Welcome back. This is Robert Fleming. I'm one of the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC, and my partner, the other partner, is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Elizabeth, uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Robert. Happy to be here. It's been like a whole week since we since we talked over microphones. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's been a whole week since we saw each other. And <laughs> no, we spent the week together. Yeah, that's right. I thought maybe today we could talk about a, a, a perception that people have when they first make an appointment for estate planning, when they come in to see the lawyer. They assume that an awful lot of the decisions about their estate plan will be based on how much they're worth. Uh, and of course, we do care about how much people have and what kinds of assets they have. But let me ask you the question that came up in a recent conversation I know you had with, with clients. If you're relatively wealthy, have high income, does that mean your estate plan is necessarily going to be complicated? No. Okay, we're done. <laughs> well, I think, I, Robert, we see this pretty routinely. And I think that there are reasons that people who have our high net worth, complicated assets may think that they need a complicated estate plan. But it's not necessarily the case. and. I think today's framework and our discussions are really based on Arizona law and when we think about the current tax rules that apply to estates. And this may not be the case forever and always, but what most people need to know is very few people will ever have to pay estate tax if, in fact, the rate is as high as it is right now because right now a married couple would need to die with more than 25 million dollars to pay federal estate tax and not many people have that much money Robert so as long as we think about some of those rules and in Arizona we follow the federal rules meaning that if you were an Arizona resident and a married couple you too would have to die with more than 25 million dollars to have to pay any estate tax when we think of Arizona very few people for tax purposes need to have super complex planning unless they've got another agenda that might be related to a family business or a small business of some sort most folks need to look at the types of assets they have need to consider things around their family the people that they're going to be naming as fiduciary or beneficiary of an estate, those are some of the things that we look at when deciding how complicated a plan someone needs. Of course, when you bounce this off of your accountant or your financial planner or another lawyer, they're going to say, oh, but the estate tax number is going to drop dramatically unless things change in 2026. And, uh, and I think we just need to say, yeah, it's going to drop dramatically. It's going to go to half. So instead of $25 million, we're talking about what will then be something north of $13 million. Still, not very many people uh, are going to die with $13 million estates. And so um, estate taxes are not, for most people, going to drive the decision about whether they need a, with air quotes, complicated estate plan. And I think, Robert, when we're, you and I are talking about a complicated estate plan today, we're alluding to a trust with various iterations and complications and if-then provisions and conditions, something that may be a kind of multi-layered plan um, that evolves around a trust, I think, 
We, we are, and of course, also limited liability uh, companies and family limited partnerships and, and lifetime gifts are all kind of in the mix, but, um, but those complications are not going to be tax-driven for very many people today. You know, when I first started practicing a very long time ago, um, the, the, the magic number for estate tax uh, issues was $600,000. And that meant every couple that was worth a million dollars, which was relatively rare then, but not certainly not unheard of, uh, had to had to focus on estate planning uh, for tax purposes, and that's just not the case today. Although I need to rem- remind people of something you said at the outset. We're talking about Arizona. If you have real estate in Washington, or you live in Oregon, or you're in one of the other states that has a, an estate tax at a much lower level. The answer may be different, and you may be worth more than you think you're worth if you're not in your head adding in the money that you uh, that you receive a flow of income from from your parents because you're the beneficiary of a trust. So often, as you know, Elizabeth, we we have clients who tell us that they are worth one amount of money, and with a little bit more prying and prodding, we can establish that they're actually worth more than they think they are. But less than 1% of people will be worth more than that $13 million figure for a married couple, um, even if the number goes down to half of what it is today. And Robert, I mentioned that we are interested in your assets. I mean, we, we, we do want to know how much money may be in a retirement plan as opposed to your checking account. And we're really interested in the types of assets that you have. But when we sit down with people, sometimes I, I think, Robert, we either get highly, highly detailed information about assets and an inventory, which is really helpful, or we get no information. Right. And what I tell most of, of my estate planning clients, meet me in the middle of the road. Give me an inventory of your accounts with some rough balances. What I really want to know is what type of account are we talking about? That's very important to the type of planning we might do for you. And then I think along the way, Robert, when we're talking about the types of plans that we we might be discussing, in addition to always doing powers of attorney, which you and I both agree, healthcare power of attorney and a financial power of attorney are, are really the pillars of an estate plan, we may talk to you about things like a beneficiary deed and beneficiary designations and and think of ways to do a plan that might not involve a trust. Now, I also mentioned that besides the types of accounts you have and assets, we want to talk about your family. So when we talk about the beneficiary of your estate or children or loved ones or organizations that you may want to benefit when you die, discussions around that will also go into what kind of plan we recommend. Absolutely. So if you tell us that you have significant wealth, it does not immediately follow that we will we will be advising a very complicated and therefore expensive estate plan. One of the problems that I see on a regular basis is clients are reluctant to tell us about what assets they have. And I think that's partly born of the notion that if they seem to be wealthy, probably the price is going to go up. And so they would like to not tell us every every little detail, which means they leave out some of the key things. And, and usually people who are thinking like that tend to leave out the complicated assets that, 
that might in fact require a more complicated estate plan. As you say, Elizabeth, it's not just the dollar value of your estate, it's the kinds of things you have. If what you have is one checking account and your house and a 401k or IRA and two cars, well, it doesn't really matter how much that's all worth unless it's over 20 or so million dollars, uh, and it's unlikely to be. Um, we're not going to be talking about an expensive and complicated plan. And Robert, we do more and more of our plans considering our hourly rates, which mean that if we're efficient and we can do the work, we're not going to be charging you some bloated fee because you're a millionaire. I think that's that's one of the other things when we look at our fee setting and, and what people need. We try and make sure that we're able to do things efficiently, whatever kind of planning you need. On the note around that example you just gave with the house, checking account, 401k, a couple of cars. Let's pretend that the house is worth 200000 and there's a mortgage. The mortgage is 100000 Let's say your checking account's got about 10000 in there. Oh, we've got a visitor who just joined our podcast. <laughs> we've, we've got an investment account, which you mentioned is a retirement account. Let's just say there's about 100000 in there. And let's say that both of your cars together are worth about 10000 Well, the total value of your estate is likely under 500000 And let's just pretend that you have two children. They get along very well. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the kids. It's great that they get along, but do the kids have different needs? If you were to tell me, Robert, that one of the children is receiving SSI or has a disability, I'm immediately going to start to think of another kind of plan to develop for you because of that child's needs. It's not because the fact that your estate is is a healthy and modest estate. It's because that child has specific needs that we need to consider and benefits that we might want to protect. That's the perfect example, Robert, of, of what we're talking about when we talk about some of the other details that go into a plan. Well, I think I want to take a break there, Elizabeth, partly because uh, your friend Duncan is insisting that he needs some attention. Um, let's take this up in another podcast to talk a little bit more about the family dynamics and, uh, and why we are so nosy about asking about your uh, your kids and your, and your siblings and all the players in your household. Sounds good, Robert. So I'm Robert Fleming, and I've been chatting with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, and we've been getting some feedback from uh, both Duncan and Rosalind Franklin, our office um, staff members who come with us on podcast days. And, uh, and we are all employees and partners. Well, we're not all partners, but you and I are in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. And we hope you'll join us. And Duncan and Rosalind hope you'll join us next time. Thanks.